This is Carl. This is Mark. And this is Sarah. And this is Retrograding. Yes, this is Retrograding, the show where three 90s kids give adult looks to our favorite childhood films. This month, we are taking a look back at a Christmas favorite called Gremlins. A what favorite? A Christmas (laughs) favorite. A a Christmas? A a Krampus favorite. (laughs) Yes. Named Gremlins. Sarah, you have picked this for us, so you are going to start us off with a 60-second synopsis. (laughs) Are you ready? Does Carl have a timer? Because I don't. And that won't matter because she won't be able to see it. Oh, I, I guess. Uh, I actually <laughs> practiced this one, but that was a Red Bull and a half ago, so. Okay, so this one will be quicker, Ooh, is this what you're saying. Oh, my microphone is doing weird things today. Okay. Sorry about that, Carl. Three, two, one, go. A boy gets taken to a weird Chinese mystic shop to get a Christmas present. The Christmas present is a weird Furby creature. He gets a list of rules of what not to do to the weird Furby creature. Um, he breaks all of that rule rules and he gets more weird Furby creatures. And then most of the weird Furby creatures go evil. And so him and uh, Phoebe Cates and one good <laughs> Furby creature have to defeat the bad Furby creatures and in the end they do and everything's great and Phoebe Cates' dad dies in a chimney and she has weird problems with holidays. The end. Well, that was I mean, um, it was definitely under 60 at all. seconds. Um, that was well done. Well within the time limit. Let's go on to long form. Is that you guys not see? what? Let's go on to long form and tell the correct synopsis of the yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. Let's go on to long form, uh, where we remember the things we may have forgotten as children or things what? we appreciated as adults. First, the first thing you said was wrong, Sarah. The boy is not taken to the Chinese oh, shop. Right. His dad buys it I for forgot. him. I forgot. The dad goes. Yeah, the dad goes to Chinatown in New York and then drives it back to the Midwest to give it to his son. And he drives it back to Hill Valley, wherever that may be. Yes. Uh, I, Which brings up another point that I actually hadn't even thought of until you just said that. He had to drive so many miles with the thing from New York, which means he must have had to take care of it himself before he even gave it to his son. I was, I was about to say the weird Furby again, and then I was going to say Gremlins, and I'm like, and that's still not correct. Do you think Mogwais get car sick? I mean, he drives a car later in the movie, so I guess not. But I just was like, you take cats for really long road trip cars when you're moving and stuff, and they get car sick and, like, throw up. Is it the same? Uh, I don't think so. I think Gizmo is fairly well suited to, you know, uh, driving his own car or getting thrown down a laundry chute without getting sick. I think he can handle motion sickness. Do you think they're more like a cat or more like a dog? Ah, oh, boy. Mogwai? Am I saying it right again? Yes. yes. Again. So, yeah, yeah. This not, was a Red not Bull Furbies, and a half ago. but Mogwai, Mogwai, but they're close. They're basically Furbies. They yes. are. Yes, it's true. Uh, though, um, I looked this up because Mogwai is an actual Chinese word. 
um, used in this movie. It basically just means monster. <laughs> so that the old Japanese man was calling him a monster knowing what he turned into. Uh, and the dad just took it as that's the species name. How is he an old Japanese man if he's in Chinatown? Uh, did I say old Japanese? You I thought did. he was an old Chinese man. <laughs> he is an old Chinese man. He's in Chinatown. Oh. So Sarah, I've sent you a link in the the Google chat here. Something oh, we will no. get to. Something I've been talking about for a while. But let's talk about this movie first. Because you you did talk about the three very clear rules that they give about gremlins or mogwai. Is it don't bring up a holiday to Feeny Gates? Yes. Uh, <laughs> so everybody knows them. Everyone who's seen this movie has a, a knowledge of these. But for our audience, we might as well tell them what the three rules are and reiterate them. Because the movie sure reminds you of this oh, every no. single chance you mm-hmm. get. Uh, so number one, keep it out of light, especially sunlight. Sunlight will kill them. Two, don't get them wet. It doesn't say why. Uh, and then three, never feed them after midnight. Not sure if that's midnight, Eastern time, Central time, Pacific, or uh, it midnight also does in not France. specify when you can begin feeding them again after midnight. So this after hearing so these rules, like the my initial thought was, how the heck do you clean a mogwai? Yes, I thought this. I, now this will not come up later because I didn't end up using oh. it, but I had something in my games about <laughs> trying out. to give it a bath, and how would I you be able to do that? I know what a mogwai is! What? It's a chinchilla! It's so a you, ch- you give what? it a dust bath? Is oh, what okay, you figured out bath. what the pet equivalent of a mogwai is. Yes! Can you not wash a chinchilla? You're not supposed to because there's... Their fur is really dense, and so if they get really wet, they kind of mold because they can't get dry. And so you give them dust baths. Like, it's volcanic ash dust, and they use that to keep their skin from getting too oily. So a mogwai is a chinchilla. Great. I'm glad we got to the bottom of this. That'll help me with the notes of the summary of this episode. I know this (laughs) because... I had a chinchilla as a child. The other thing I was curious about, at one point we see a gremlin jump into a, a pool, like a swimming pool, and it hatches a bunch of more gremlins from him. Yeah. Uh, though another point we see them at a bar drinking beer. Beer is mostly water, but does not cause them to reproduce. So I don't know where the delineation what? is because pool water has a lot of chemicals in it to keep it clean. And beer has a lot of additives to it to give it flavor. What's the difference between those? They were ingesting the beer, not just having it touch them, though. Okay. Is there so a difference of it drinking so it versus the landing skin? on their skin? Okay. I might buy that. Although I'm sure they probably spilled some at the bar, so. Exactly. You to drink water, right? Because if they can't drink water, you're going to have a dead pet, right? Yes. Maybe they only drink alcohol. Maybe, maybe that's another reason they're called monsters. (laughs) The other thing I forgot watching this movie is I didn't remember the dad character at all. And he's the one of the main characters of the film in that he is the beginning and end narration. He's the one who brings the the Mogwai home to his son. He kind of bookends the film and he's kind of the running side plot through everything. And I I forgot he existed. (laughs) 
He's very ancillary in what happens with the gremlins, the titular gremlins, but he is a, a through line through the entire thing. Smokeless ashtray. Yeah, he's a terrible inventor, uh, which it, it fills that archetype that like um, the guy from like the Nutty Professor or um, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids fills. Where it's a guy who's flubber. yeah flubber too though all of those are way more sm- are way more smart way more or smart. smarter is another way to say that <laughs> than this guy because this guy just seems to throw things together with power tools and think that that's an invention he can sell. You know who he is? Who's that? He's the dad from Rugrats. Oh yeah, Stu Pickles. Stu Pickles. I could see that. Are we ruining your games, Mark? No, actually, because I've never seen Rugrats. So <gasps> What? <laughs> Breaking <sighs> news, everyone. Get <laughs> on you, Mark's case immediately. Were you too old? Sure, let's go with that. Or did you just not have cable? <laughs> yes, that also. I don't think I had cable until middle school, and at that point I was too old for Rugrats. So. Can we play a quick mm. game, guys? No. <laughs> a, a very quick game, yes, it's go. A, this game is called, Do You Know Who Does the Voice of Gizmo? Mm-hmm. I, I knew this a long time ago. Because I, I didn't, and it makes but me But this will also come to effect in my game, so maybe oh, we should it? not say it. Well, okay, then I won't. All right. But can you <laughs> guess I don't who know does... who it is. I'll be surprised during the game. You... I have a guess, but like it's based on other people who have done puppetry. Well, that would probably you won't be get wrong, it, then. But you should get the voice of who does... <laughs> I swear to John. <laughs> oh, it's not who you think it is. Okay. It's still a phone ringing. Yeah, well, but you should guess who does the voice of the other gremlin because it's the only person who does weird animal voices in Hollywood. Mm, all right. I I can't think of it immediately. Will, will this will this ruin your game, Mark, if I do the other voice? No. It's Frank Welker. <laughs> okay. I'm not familiar with that name. You I would should. not have guessed I'm familiar that. with his work, I'm sure. I just don't know the He's guy. He's also known as the voice of Scooby-Doo and every uh. other weird animal voice ever. I'll look him up after this. If you need someone to bark like a dog or do a dinosaur noise, it's Frank Welker. What about that guy from Police Academy? Oh, he Michael only, Winslow. No, he does cars. He makes car noises. Yeah, that's and sirens, and he does the boom of a medical de- medical detector or a metal detector. He does he does machines. Frank Welker yes. does animals. Fair enough. So I thought it'd be fun to go over some of the dad's dumb inventions from Gremlins <laughs> because they are they are littered throughout the film and each one is this delight in that they're all useless in that even what they're designed to do, I don't know if I would use them. Uh, his first invention we see is a like it's a Swiss Army dop kit. Uh, basically, all of your toiletries put in a one box where you can fold out what you need. Uh, inevitably just sprays toothpaste on himself every single time he uses it. Like, a lot of toothpaste. More than anybody (laughs) would use while brushing their teeth. You know, that reminds me of on The Simpsons when Homer tries to become an inventor and he makes the makeup gun. 
Oh, I thought you were going to talk about his dumb car design. Well, that was a good one, too. Well, actually, but what Sarah was saying, it does, or maybe you said, somebody said it, it kind of reminds me of from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, because he has all those random inventions in the house, too. Although most of his kind of work... Yeah, he's got far more, like, ingenuity or, like, pneumatics involved. Like, one of this guy's inventions is he puts a bunch of fly swatters on a power drill, (laughs) and he just pulls the trigger so that they're all spinning in place at once. So I guess you could kill one fly really good using this. Or if you're, like, outside in the woods in summer and have a million mosquitoes flying around. I don't know if it would kill them, though. Hmm... I think what the, uh, this may be on your list, but I don't know what order you had them in. Oh, I, I'm going off of memory. I don't have oh, a list Oh, there se. was one I think that was supposed to answer the telephone. Oh, yeah, because the, the wife tries to use it and tries to talk into the telephone and the phone just keeps ringing every time she tries to yeah. use it. <laughs> like I, uh, He also makes a, uh, a card shuffler. Uh, that just spits out cards randomly, <laughs> which is, it's what a shuffler is supposed to do, but not at this speed is my point. And then the, as we mentioned, the smokeless ashtray, which is not smokeless. <laughs> oh, right. I don't, that thing was producing smoke. Yeah, I'm not sure what the point of it is even. Like, it's all closed in, so I guess. And it, an ashtray doesn't have smoke. Yeah. That's the point of it. Well, I think the point of his is that you put the cigarette in there and then you're not getting smoke all over the room because it stays inside. But then it was all pouring out of the thing anyway. I did like at the the end of the film, just get way ahead. That's his uh, apology gift to the (laughs) old Chinese man. Uh, His one-of-a-kind smokeless ashtray. And the guy already has ones for reasons we might go into. Um, The other thing I really liked is the dad goes away for a bit during the film and misses out on most of the gremlin stuff because he's going to an invention trade show. And I love the look of this invention trade show because he's calling from a payphone uh, with windows behind him. And we get to see some of the inventions at the trade show, including the the robot from um, Forbidden Planet, Lost in Space or Forbidden Planet. Uh, Do you the know why? Will Robinson. Was it the same special effects team? Yes. So the guy who did special effects on those other movies with the robot also worked on this movie. So that was like their little cameo appearance. I did every time he's at the trade show, there's always something uh, that you can overhear in the background. Um, And all of them are great. Like it's some, my, my take on it, I only have one record. It was, it was some automated car or robot that was uh, showing how personal these robots could be to human beings. The only quote I have from there is, I'm sorry, miss. I was giving myself an oil change. Um, so I believe that was also the same robot from the Forbidden Planet Lost in Space, and I believe that's actually a line from Forbidden Planet movie, because I just watched that a few months ago. (laughs) So I think they just pulled lines from the movie to have him say them again. But if we're talking now, this is nothing to do with that character, so yeah, it's no, also we can jump around. Skipping ahead in the movie, they there's another jump cameo up, jump in up it. And get down. Because, Why are you jumping up to get down? Oh if you boy. jump up, naturally you'll be up. 
Mark, go ahead. No, uh, am Again, I, are you done with your singing yet? A Red Bull and a half. <laughs> we'll be to two by the end of this. Oh, boy. We can't wait. Oh, yes. Cameos in this movie. They also had a Steven Spielberg cameo because he was the executive producer. And so I read this on an article before, and I don't remember actually seeing his face. But yeah, I don't remember seeing him There is either. a part later on uh, when they're in a toy store, sneaking around in the dark trying to find Stripe, the the first bad gremlin guy, or the leader of the gremlins. Oh, right, 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 yeah. So they're sneaking around trying to find him, and they walk past a shelf full of stuffed animals, and his head is sticking out. And I was thinking, hey, that's like in E.T. when E.T. was hiding from the mother when she was digging through the closet or whatever. And then as I'm looking, there's a little E.T. doll sitting in front of his face on the shelf. (laughs) So I don't know if that was, I would assume, intentional. Oh, it's got to be, right? So where is Steven Spielberg then? I don't know. I don't don't think I ever saw his face. somewhere? But maybe that was his? Wait, wait. So... How is it a cameo if we don't see his face? I don't know. May, I, well, I, maybe the E.T. thing was his okay. cameo. Like a, he he's more of a calling that. card than a cameo. Yeah. Steven Spielberg was in the convention scene. Oh, oh well, okay. There you go. Well, there you go. Thank, thank the internet. We found it. <laughs> also learned from the internet, originally they wanted monkeys to play the gremlins but they would freak out when they put gremlin heads on them. <laughs> what? You don't say. I don't know uh, if this is real, but that's what I am While we're says. on it, we should talk about the effects because it is in large part puppetry. Some of the long shots for the gremlins are kind of like a claymation thing. And obviously the practical effects of the puppetry still hold up and are still pretty great to watch. Uh, the... The claymation, not so much. It's a little jumpy, but there's very few of those. So I felt like the effects still work fairly well in this film. I've heard it's relatively, like, forgetting movie props. It's not that hard to get gremlin arms, just because there's so many gremlin arms. (laughs) (laughs) Can we, guys, can we get a gremlin arm? I don't know, but apparently, like, where it's just the arms that they use for, like, like, where they just put arms out to grab something. They just made so many gremlin arms, but... Within the scene of, like, if you're trying to find movie props, those aren't that hard to find just because they had so many gremlin arms. Like, finding a full-body gremlin is really hard because they had so few. But just finding an arm, super easy. Okay, maybe I'll find a gremlin arm. Though, uh, to your point as to when they use the gremlin arms, uh, I thought that this film did a great job, what some horror movies forget, of not showing the villain until it's time. And it, it hid what the gremlins looked like for a long time in this film because they were hiding in darkness or you only saw their arm come out to scratch someone. And the villain or monster in a horror film is so much more effective when you can only see part of them. And this film did that really well. I think it uh, once there was a lot of gremlins, maybe it kind of lost that the horror tone is more comedy horror by the mm-hmm. time we got to there. But especially in the middle of this film where they're starting to uh, metamorphize very good, very classic horror notes in this. And while we're on the subject, we should talk about what I always forget when I haven't seen this movie for a while is the very, very dark tone (laughs) of this Christmas film. Yes. Because it starts out 
even like some of these minor characters have very dark stories or very depressing stories for this holiday. Because <laughs> one of the the prominent sto- one of the prominent people is this bank owner, uh, this mean old woman who wants to take money away from poor people. And when she is outside of a bank, one of the people comes up asking for an extension on the loan so that. She, because uh, she's out of work, her husband's out of work, and they have two kids they have to provide for. They just need a little more time to get money together. And the old woman refuses and storms into the bank. We get one last line from this woman and her child, which is the child says, I'm hungry, mommy. And mom says, Yeah, I'm hungry too. And this is the last we see of them. <laughs> Presumably, they die from starvation later in the film. But, like, everyone seems to have the dark backstory, including Kate, which we can get to her monologue in a bit. There are so many, like, they talk about how people get really depressed during the holidays. There's a line that Katie gives, while most people are opening presents, some people are opening their wrists. Like, there's little, very dark lines in this film, peppered throughout. I the, I the only one that I really um focused on was Kate's story. There are so many other ones for the small characters, but I don't I mean there's such small characters that I didn't pay a lot of attention to. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's the thing is their their world building involves these small characters in this very small town. Because each one you kind of forget about because they're not a main character, it gives you the sense that everyone in this town is living a horrible, depressing life. Uh, But since we are talking around uh, Kate's monologue, one of the things I talked about doing very early on in this podcast uh, is giving uh, dramatic readings of lines from characters. And the one I specifically referenced is this monologue from this film because it is both very, very dark and it is delivered without any passion whatsoever. Like, the actress is so deadpan and just not emotionally involved in the words she's saying at all when she gets to this point that, like, it takes a while for her to get to this thing. And it's just, like, it's one of the weirder and bad acting sections in this film. So I guess I always thought it was more she was so affected by it that she couldn't show emotion. She was just kind of in shock slash depressed all the time anytime she talks about it. So she just couldn't give emotion for it. Don't ask me about Lincoln's birthday. Sorry, that's from the second movie. <laughs> does she have another holiday she, she hates? Does have another holiday she hates. Uh, she hates Lincoln's birthday. Oh God, that's got to be a parody of this oh, one. No, surely, the whole movie is a parody. Have you never seen the second? Parody? I've seen it. I don't remember half the lines. I remember it. not liking it as much as the first. Oh, one. I love the second one. The director didn't want to come back and make a second movie, so he just went nuts. <laughs> Which is why it's terrible. Oh, it's, no, it's amazing. Before we get too far away from it, Sarah, could you bless us and our audience with a dramatic line reading of Kate's monologue about why she hates Christmas? Now, when you say, so Sarah's going to read it actually emotional and dramatically or read it just like Uh, It's up to you. You can read it as the character Kate and just so emotionally unattached. You know what? Go crazy. This is your moment. 
give it all or give it nothing. Your choice. <laughs> Go ahead. The worst thing that ever happened to me was on Christmas. Oh, God. It was so horrible. It was Christmas Eve. I was nine years old. Me and Mom were decorating the tree, waiting for Dad to come home from work. A couple of hours went by. Dad wasn't home, so Mom called the office. No answer. Christmas Day came and went, and still nothing. So the police began a search. Four or five days went by. Neither one of us could eat or sleep. Everything was falling apart. It was snowing outside. The house was freezing, so I went to try to light up the fire. And that's when I noticed the smell. The firemen came and broke through the chimney top, and me and Mom were expecting them to pull out a dead cat or a bird, and instead they pulled out my father. He was dressed in a Santa Claus suit. He had been climbing down the chimney on Christmas Eve, his arms loaded with presents. He was going to surprise us. He slipped and broke his neck. He died instantly, and that's how I found out there was no Santa Claus. Yep, I'd say that's about on par with how it's delivered in the film. <laughs> um, it just... I mean, it's such a weird tone to take in a Christmas film. <laughs> like, it fits the rest of the tone of this movie, for sure. Uh, but it seems like it's less about the gremlins coming and causing havoc in this small town, and more about the gremlins just happening to show up in this very depressing town. Oh, Phoebe Kate! Yeah, I, so... I, maybe there's a whole there's a reason for that. There's a there's a reason why this town was cursed. No, 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 no. So, so the Gret like symbolically like these are all the people's inner inner deep dark secrets that came out all at the same time this Christmas. But but I don't. So because the the other thing that occurred to me is the dad's inventions. The mom always says they they work well for the first couple of weeks, and then they they go haywire. And like gremlins as a mythological creature are supposed to disrupt electronics. So the sense is that in traditional mythology, the gremlins will be ruining his inventions. But they don't. The adventures just are bad, and then the gremlins show up. So it seems like the gremlins aren't responsible for a lot of it, and they just happen to show up and then get blamed for a bunch of it. Well, and you made the point that it's a weird tone for a Christmas movie, but I don't. I th I get the feeling this was more supposed to be kind of a horror comedy rather oh, than for a sure. Christmas movie. So. It's also weird to have a horror film set around Christmas. I mean, There's there are other movies Christmas set around movies. Christmas for no reason. Silent <laughs> Night, Deadly Night, Krampus. What is that one with the... Bad Santa. No, there's one with the sorority girls. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Uh, sorority Row. Um, no. Anyway, before we get too far from this movie that we're Porkies. reviewing... <laughs> great. Um, Black Christmas! Yeah, so let's let's talk about some of the characters in this film. We talked about Katie and her depressing backstory. There's three Black Christmases now. Let's talk about <laughs> Billy, uh, the the kid. I say kid, though he's probably like early college age. Yeah. Maybe he may be graduated. Um, who is gifted Gizmo? Um, who is a very irresponsible owner and. I mean, he had a dog before this, though he wasn't taking great care of the dog in that he was taking the dog to work with him. He was putting 
the dog in maybe some dangerous situations. And eventually, as soon as Gizmo comes, he kind of forgets about his dog. Like the dog goes on a trip with the dad and... We never see the kid worrying about the dog or caring how the dog is doing because he's but fascinated with his new pet. the dog is with, with his, his dad, so he doesn't care. Right, but like as much time as they spent together, we only see him caring about Gizmo once he gets Gizmo. So I'm just saying he is a bad and irresponsible owner for that and because he broke all the rules uh, one by accident, well, two by accident, maybe more, um, where he was constantly shedding bright light on Gizmo, and then his friend spills water on him, and you get a bunch of uh, furry balls that turn into more mogwai. But then he takes Gizmo to the smartest guy in town, I assume, which is a middle school uh, <laughs> science professor, and he pours water on him again to show him the effect. And it's just like, you know the rules. There's a reason why that rule is in place. And you're totally disregarding it because doing the rule or violating the rule makes something cool happen. So my question about all this, all of the uh, clones or whatever, they are already kind of evil before. Like they, they are the ones causing the problems and purposely trying to become the gremlins. Absolutely. Why is Gizmo not that way? I have a theory. Uh, because when these things are quote-unquote born out of Gizmo, or spawned from one another, what have you, their natural state, as soon as they are birthed, is evil. Like, even when they're small and furry and kind of cute, they're wreaking havoc, they're trying to... Uh, they're tying dogs up in lights, they're breaking clocks so they can get fed after midnight. My theory is that Gizmo's been alive way longer than any of these creatures, and that he's been rehabilitated by the old Chinese man. I think the old Chinese man had Gizmo in a cage or in a box for so long that his imprisonment rehabilitated him and made him a better creature. I think it's simpler than that. Do you just think Gizmo's inherently good? No, I think it's called the director and producer needed something to stay cute the whole time, and it's a plot hole. Because originally... So, what do you think would have happened no. if Gizmo had eaten after midnight? Would he, he would certainly turn green and go in a cocoon, but would his gremlin be mean? Yes, literally the original plot... Stripe was supposed to be Gizmo. They were supposed to be the same character. But oh. Steven Spielberg said, no, he's too cute. He has to stay good. So they made them two characters. So literally that's what happened. Is Spielberg said, he's cute. We need him to stay good so the audience likes him. So they made them two separate characters. Which is really smart because if Gizmo turned into Stripe... And Stripe has to die at the end of the movie because he's the main villain. That's a real downer of an ending. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if they made the, if that had been the same character, if they would have somehow figured out like a potion or something to make him Gizmo again at the end or something and not killed him off. Or what? I mean, but they would have to get the potion from the old Chinese man because yeah. that middle school science teacher isn't doing any good no. science. Middle school science teachers never do in these sort of movies. 
They always make it worse. Yeah, um, I just I'm so confused why that was the one person he took this creature to to learn about it. Because he's he's not asking his dad who would know where the pet came from. He is taking it to a man who maybe teaches some like the most advanced topic at a middle school. But so they used to be the same character and they used to be insane monkeys. So it could have been a whole different movie. Yeah, it could have. I'm glad we ended up with what we have. You wouldn't have wanted to see evil crazy monkey kiss. I don't know. I might have really enjoyed that. I'm a big fan of monkeys. It could have been kind of like when aliens, originally the alien was a dog with a mask on that just walked around all crazy. Yeah. I also realized, which we had talked about this when we did our first podcast for Goonies, about when Chunk calls the police, they talk about his prank phone call where he describes the plot of Gremlins. But it makes way more sense to me now because the guy who played Mouth in Gremlins is in this film. Uh, Mouth was not in Gremlins. No, yes. Goonies. <laughs> Whatever. Oh, yes. You knew what I meant. Also, you're just calling him Mouth. You're not calling him. He's uh, he's one of the Corys. <laughs> sure. He's Corey Feldman. <laughs> yeah. He's the Corey who's It's not possible dead. I didn't remember or want to look up that name. I know Miss Mouth. Just, Mouth is fine. You just don't, you, you don't know that he's one of the Corys? One of the I've most heard it, famous I've heard him referenced from... as such. The Corys doesn't really mean much to me. <gasps> one of the most famous teen actors from the 80s. Before sure. you were born. Okay. Okay. I'm just I'm just gonna leave now. Bye. Alright, <laughs> goodbye. I'm gonna go drink my Red Bull and cry. Okay, so um we might as well get to the, the transformation. Uh we've talked about the how they get wet, they spawn more gremlins. <laughs> uh they um <laughs> I'm very tired. Oh boy. Um <laughs> So the the gremlins trick Billy in defeating them after midnight oh, by oh wait, before we get here, uh, stopping the clock. I have to go back to the conversation about the dog. Okay. The dog's name is Mushroom. Is that it? I mean, in, <laughs> in the movie, his name is Barney, but the, do- okay. the dog actor. Wait, wait. The real the real dog actor, not the one in not the character in the film. The character is named. Barney, the right. actor, is named Mushroom. Great. Good. Good job. He, he was in Good two, and great. He was in two movies, and his name is his name was Mushroom. Great. You're welcome. While we're while we're on the subject, what was the other movie? <laughs> Pumpkinhead. Okay. Not what I've heard of. Lance Hendrickson was in it. The Gremlins trick Billy in defeating them after midnight by stopping a clock just before. Uh, like at 11.45 or whatever. They're very smart chinchillas. And Billy must have been reading in his bedroom for hours and not looked at the clock once. Because they didn't just set the clocks back. They stopped the clock. And so had he looked any time, had he looked any time during the night, he'd be like, oh, it says it's 11.45. And then looked an hour later, it's just, oh, it's still 11.45. Do you not just get really in... To what you're doing? I mean, sure. I have been known to, but I occasionally check the clock as I'm going. And like, he wasn't super into what he was doing. He was reading a comic book. Do you not get really into your comic books? Yeah, I do, but it doesn't take that long is my point. 
Anyway. He's a really so slow reader. I love uh, the transformation of this because the gremlins form into like these little cocoons to do their transformation. Uh, I think the terrible middle school science professor calls it uh, their pupil state. Uh, they're turning, they're making cocoons and turning into goo and reforming their bodies which I just think is a really cool transformation for a monster to have. They're a chinchilla butterfly. A horrible chinchilla butterfly. <laughs> I I would say they're more like moth-like maybe, because moths, or like locusts. Locusts destroy things. Do they have a pupil state? I don't know. I don't know. The only ones I know that turn to goo are butterflies. <laughs> Again, I feel like we've had the conversation where I'm not a bug scientist. I'm not a chicken scientist. I'm not an ant scientist. I'm not but a But are you scientist. a middle middle school, high school scientist that can help us with these gremlins? No. <laughs> Damn it. I am none of these things. So we can talk about the first time that we see a gremlin because it's, it's where this film gets into like legitimately uh, tense moments, legitimately like horror notes from a horror film. And it kind of loses that plot later in the film and then comes back to it. But these first couple of scenes with the gremlins are great uh, because it's the high school, high school, middle school science teacher trying to lure the gremlin out of hiding after uh, his class has gone away. And Corey Feldman begs to stay, but he tells him, no, 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 I have work to do. Um, and so he's trying to track him down with a, a candy bar, trying to feed the gremlin. Oh, also, Billy's irresponsible because he didn't tell this guy the rules at all. <laughs> but he's hiding under a desk. We only see, like, an arm come out or, like, an ear at first. And the guy reaches his hand under to try to give him the candy bar. And then the gremlin starts, like, biting him and dragging his arm in. And when Billy finds him, the monster had tried to suck blood out of him with a syringe, much like the doctor had done to him uh, the previous day. And I just think, like, this is the, I think, the first dead body we see in the film. Uh, and it just, I love this moment. This moment is setting off, like, the whole horror part of this film. And it's wonderful. That's a solid no from all of you. No, because I just found out a random bit of trivia about this movie that I think is funny, but has <sighs> nothing to do with this scene. All right. Go ahead. Was it about the dog's name? No, but it's Mushroom. So... The guy who plays the father? Yes. Is I think Randall something is the character. Hoyt. Helser. Hoyt Axton is a musician and he wrote Three Dog Nights hit Joy to the World. You know, Joy to the World. Ah, oh, the buzzer girls. Okay, yes, I have heard of that. And he was also the father in Gremlin. Fun fact. Fun fact. <laughs> That w Well, it's certainly a fact. <laughs> so back to this scene, when Billy finds him... That's why he's such a bad inventor, because he's a songwriter. There's a classic, another classic horror thing where Billy is running around trying to find the gremlin, and the gremlin is, like, hiding in air vents or, like, running around in the shadows, and Billy can't quite track him down. Um, and I think this one ends up escaping. I don't think Billy dealt with this one. Uh, he gets beat up a little by it, uh, and then the, it escapes, and he, he takes a breath, and he takes a moment, not realizing that he has left his mom at home with, like, six of these things. 
But my favorite series of scenes in this film is the mom dealing with the gremlins. Yep. Because the she second the mom senses trouble in her home, she grabs a long knife, holds it out like she's going to murder something, and creeps up on the sound. She doesn't call the cops. She doesn't ask who's there first. She just goes with a knife to deal with this problem. I love the mom in this film because then she encounters the gremlins and she just slaughters them. (laughs) And then everybody else in the movie runs away from them screaming. Yeah, like I was not expecting the mom of the protagonist in this film to be such a badass. Though to be, I guess she only actually kills one of them with the knife. Right. She uses some of the other kitchen tools to do the job. Like a blender. But that just shows how versatile of a murderer she is. <laughs> what happens after that scene? This is when he goes, no. It's when they start running, or no. <laughs> oh, this is, when he, um, right, right. So at this point, this Stripe point, runs away. Only Stripe is alive. Yeah, she kills her think he Stripe maybe killed runs the one away, and Billy comes home to check on his mom, and then he finds out that Stripe is gone and follows his footprints to the local Y, I guess. Right. Goes to the pool. Yes. Uh, so he tries to track Stripe down in the pool. He finds him, and he, I don't think, was he carrying a weapon of any sort? I don't recall if he was. I don't think so. He was carrying a backpack with Gizmo in it. Right. So, like, he's going with no plan, just knowing he needs to murder this thing. Uh, But Stripe is smart enough that when Billy approaches, he jumps in the pool. And, like, I love the effect here where there is, like, green lights shining up through the water to show the transformation. There's, like, uh, dry ice fog coming in over the level of the water. Like, the water starts bubbling and boiling, giving the sense that Billy needs to get out of there immediately. Because shit is about to go down. And Billy does what very few people in a horror film do is he goes to the cops. He tries to get the cops involved. He does the right thing and tries to get authorities involved in this horror movie as quickly as possible. But of course, the cops are idiots. Oh, and one of the cops is that other guy um, from all those other movies. Judge, wait. No, no, no. Judge Reinhold was in the bank. But one of the cops was... um, I don't remember his name. I can picture his face. Good. What's he been in? Lots of things. Name one. <laughs> oh, I looked him up the other day, and now I don't remember. What? One of the, the, one of the one of cops the is apparently policemen. famous. Judge Reinhold. No. Nope. <laughs> no, he we was in the bank. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we just had this conversation. I just said a name. Well, you said a name that is in this film. Oh, he's, the guy. He, the uh, guy plays not Saul. Um, yeah, he's in. He's in Breaking, Breaking Bad. Bad. The bald guy in Breaking yes. Bad. Yes, who is white? <laughs> there might be. Well, not Walter White. A different white man. <laughs> I thought there were several bald guys in that show. Yeah. yeah. Oh, maybe Brent Fry is his real life name. Is his real life name? Um. Oh no, Jonathan that's a character Banks. Name. Is it Jonathan Banks? Yes, 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 yes. There we go. Brent Fry is the character name. Deputy Brent. 
Anywho. He was in Community. He played that mean professor. Oh, right. Yeah, so I, actors aside, I don't know who I side with when he goes to the cops. Because the cops, the cops. The cops. Uh, clear, <laughs> yeah, they're horse detectives. Um, I would watch that show. <laughs> Uh, they they clearly think it's a prank and don't take him seriously, not even willing to investigate because it's like Christmas Eve at this point. But at the same time, Billy is trying to get help to deal with an imminent threat. I don't know. I don't know. Obviously, I'm supposed to side with Billy and not the cops who choose to do nothing. But if a teenager, but I don't know realistically what I would do in this situation. If a teenager came in and said, these things that look like tribbles are attacking me, I'd probably be like, these kids on drugs. <laughs> they don't look like tribbles anymore. No, but like, okay, so if these things that look like swamp creatures that come up to my ankle are attacking me, <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, this kid's on drugs. Right, but like he did bring Gizmo to show him, but that's also a hard sell where it's like, yes, this one is cute and nice, but his brothers ate food and now they're monsters <laughs> and there's a lot of them because water. This is a mutated hamster and and I don't know what those other things are. Yeah, kid, I don't know what you did to your, like, what science experiment you performed on your dog, but I don't right. think those other things are attacking you. You're still on drugs. Uh, which gives the, the gremlins time uh, in a... Just a great scene where it's a, a street scene, total darkness, and then slowly one gremlin walks out of the darkness. And we already know that one gremlin can do a lot of damage. And then he is followed by like 30 other gremlins walking out of that darkness. Stripe has formed an army that is going to descend upon this town. And well, they do. I love the the chaos that they cause because uh, they mess with street lamps. They start like spitting mail out of mailboxes. Um, uh, are we getting to the part where they go to the guy's house and drive his plow around? Oh yes, the um, Kentucky Rambler is that the thing? Um, sure. <laughs> There's that one, and then they go to Mrs. Deagle's house, and she's on one of those. Chairs. This was the for our audience. This is yes. the mean bank owner, the mean from before. bank lady, and she has one of those like chairs that you can ride up a staircase for uh, handicapped people. Yeah, I called it a stairmaster. I don't think that's the right term. No, I don't. It's a yeah, <laughs> chairlift. But she's on one of those things, and the gremlins mess with it so that it goes like super speed. So she flies up the stairs and shoots out the upstairs window out that's into not the how street. Works. I mean, if you're Not going fast all. enough. Hey, guys, I have another fun fact. Oh, I, I bet it's a fact for sure. No, guys, guess who's another besides Frank Welker, another voice of random Mogwai? Frank Oz. No, it's Michael Winslow. Hey, I was oh, right. the guy we said before. <laughs> I told you it was uh, a fun fact. And you said I was wrong. I mean, it wasn't who I was talking about then, but we're all right. Uh, yeah. So the Kentucky Rambo was it? It was a plow, or Kentucky was it just a tractor? harvester? It was just a tractor. It was a harvester thing. with yeah. like a a bucket plow attachment to it. I don't know what any of those words. But are. I think even then, they just crashed it into his house. They didn't even actually injure the guy, did they? It is. It is implied that once they drove it through his front wall. 
into his home that they kept driving into the occupants of the home through the other wall. We don't see them die on screen, and in fact, I believe this character is in the sequel, so it is implied that he didn't die here at all, even though this film doesn't say anything about it. Um, and so after all of that happens is when Billy runs to the bar to save the woman. Billy, don't be a hero. Kate. Yes. Now, the bar scene Sorry. is where this starts to lose the plot for me. <laughs> because just here? Up, up until now, it has been like a slightly silly horror film. Because when they're you know messing with streetlights or messing with a woman's chair and fling her out a window... It's all kind of like they're pranking people, mm -hmm. even though like their pranks are causing people to die. It's still like they're causing mischief. And this bar scene just seems way out of place because the gremlins aren't destroying the bar. They're just having a night out at the bar uh, with like five or six of them seated at the bar, drinking beer, uh, some playing poker. I think uh, Stripe is one of them. And then something that carries on to the the other movie, some of them are given like um, caricature personalities. Yeah. Like one person is like a jazz singer being all moody in the back. And then he is visited by a gremlin who is a puppet uh, playing with other puppets. It's a very weird meta commentary on the nature of puppetry there. Do you hate just, the sexy like, gremlin from the second one? <laughs> uh, she fits more in that film. I would hate her if she was in this film because it's a weird tone shift. It, you know what? The first thing I thought of when I was looking at this scene was Newsies. Ha! Huh. Why? <laughs> All I think of, well, the only thing I could compare it to is the bar, when they're in the bar, they're singing about the newspaper. King of New York? Yes, and I, I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, they're obviously not tearing the place apart and going crazy, except that they dance all over the tables and swing from the ceiling fans. But that's just what I thought of when I, I saw do, this scene. My brain cannot. Okay. <laughs> I, I, uh, I should have okay. used that one for my games, because then you wouldn't have ever guessed the it. The other thing I, I love about this scene is, um, so Kate is behind the bar. They're not attacking her. She's just being a bartender. Um, though she still wants to escape and they're blocking the door and Billy comes up and drives his car up and shines his lights in and that's how she's able to escape. I love that Billy had the one car in this town that the gremlins couldn't make any worse. <laughs> like his car was so bad to begin with that they didn't have to do anything to it. Well, and then as soon as she gets out of the bar to go meet him, the car dies and they can't get it started. So then they have to yeah, run exactly. anyway. exactly. Making his heroics almost pointless. Uh, so they run to the bank, which is trashed. Um, we get the sob story that Sarah read earlier. Um, oh, yeah. And it's... Although this, the movie would not suggest it based on the scene setting, uh, it is nearly light outside. Uh, so all we've ever seen is like this deep, deep darkness, but apparently it's in the wee hours of the morning uh, and it is about to, the sun is about to come up. And so when they get out of the bank, the uh, gremlins are gone uh, because day is breaking and they need a place to hide. And where do they hide, Carl? Either one of you is going to pick up the thread. Oh, hide. They well, go we to, can. Um, I, they go to a movie theater. Which may or may not be recognizable. <laughs> 
that may be the comment I have for it later. <laughs> yeah. This this movie theater gets really trashed in a lot of movies. But I figured you would pick up the plot, Mark, because you have talked about this movie theater before, uh, referencing in a previous movie, and in particular with the movie that they are watching. I thought you would have a particular interest. Well, I don't know why they're watching this particular movie. <laughs> yeah, it's a very strange they, 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 all the gremlins get to, I mean, it may just have been whatever was up there, because there were gremlins sitting around in the theater throwing popcorn and stuff around the room, and some of them were upstairs messing with the, um... Projector? Projector, that's the word, and... <laughs> I could tell by your hand movements. Uh, yes. So they're up there just messing around with the projector and it turns on. I don't know if they were trying to turn it on or if it just happened. And so then Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs starts playing on the screen and all of the gremlins suddenly get so transfixed and they're just watching the movie and singing along with the song. I wonder if it's just the, the dwarves are as small as the gremlins are and they just are naturally interested in things that size. Okay. Sarah is fine, everybody. I know you were worried. I'm just throwing them things. It's okay. Uh, but they uh, they hatch a plan, which is a very simple plan. A plan they should have come up with a long, long time ago, which is just to burn this mother down. Yeah. And I had a, a question here, because the boiler room is how they're going to do it. They need to... Uh, detach a gas line and leave an open flame uh, so that the place will explode. Um, but Kate knows this movie theater uh, well enough to know where the trap door is to mm -hmm. get into the boiler room. I had the same question because he that's what they walk in and that's what he, he says something and she says, oh, the boiler room's this way or something. I'm like, how does she even know that? So unless she used to work there or something? Yeah, that's my only guess, because she we've already seen her at two jobs, because she works at a teller in a bank and the bartender. I wonder if this is just some secret third job she has during the holidays to get some extra money, because Lord knows she's not celebrating Christmas. <laughs> uh... You said that I mentioned this theater before. Yeah, I think you would, you would reference Gremlins in another yeah, movie. Yeah, well, because in when we did the uh, Werewolf in London, American oh, right, Werewolf, the movie, because right, right. in that movie they end up in a theater, and I pointed out that some of the scenes or the movie's pivotal scenes happen in a movie theater, because this okay. is one of the big scenes in this one because they do successfully blow up the theater and end up killing all of most of the Gremlins. But during the movie, Spike had wandered off. Spike Stripe had wandered off looking. I call him Spike too. <laughs> he had wandered off looking for food, and there, the concession stand was already empty. And he saw a candy store across the street, so he wandered across the street, and everyone else got blown up while he was gone. And so now he is angry and out for revenge. Yeah, he is yet again the only gremlin remaining. Uh, he is the main villain of this film. I my only comment on the movie theater was it, this movie theater has definitely seen better days and like only a year from now some kid is gonna come out of nowhere in a DeLorean <laughs> and crash right into it. Yep. <laughs> That's I'm what sorry. Sarah's new laugh, everybody, <laughs> debuting it here for the first time. Uh, I don't know what that noise was. Sorry. All right. So as we get to the final scene here which takes place in like a shopping mall or a shopping center of some sort Strip mall. um well no. see but they're all the stores are connected though i don't yeah. know if that's 
I guess yeah. it's not quite a strip mall. So I think I remember you guys had made fun of me for not remembering correctly where the climax of this film takes place. Because I had we thought did? as a child that it was a greenhouse. And you corrected me as like, no, it's a shopping mall. But I would like to point out to all of our audience <laughs> that young Carl may have been a little confused, but wasn't terribly confused because it takes place in a plant store or some sort of uh, where they're growing things. There's water features somewhere where there are a lot of plants and a lot of green light. So I could have easily been confused as a child that this was a greenhouse. I don't remember ever having that conversation. I don't either. <laughs> Carl I made this up it. just so he could prove himself uh, no, right. <laughs> I remember it because I wanted to be proved correct. I don't ever remember having any conversations about Kremlin. It's fine. But um, Billy is trying to track down Stripe while Kate is messing with the controls to try to get the sunlight to come in to kill him. Uh, Gizmo wanders off and starts racing a car around, pretending that he's going to help somehow doing that. According to Wikipedia, it's a Montgomery Ward store. Oh, I don't know who that man is. It's not a man. It is a mail order and department store retailer. Cool. All right. Though I like... So Stripe fights back with things that he's finding in this department store. Uh, and the things he is fighting back with are legitimately frightening. <laughs> like, for a movie that's kind of been like, these are just little rascals, little pranksters who are causing pranks and happen to be murdering people while doing it. Like, this is like clearly willful, clearly malicious. Stripe is trying to kill him. Because at one point he is throwing saw blades like frisbees to try to stick into Billy. Uh, he turns on a pitching machine to shoot baseballs at him. Uh, he shoots Billy in the arm with a crossbow bolt. Uh, and comes after Billy with a chainsaw. And all that Billy has to defend himself is a wooden bat that survives way longer than I thought it would against a chainsaw. Yeah, I it probably shouldn't have. Although he was moving it around a bit, so I guess the saw wasn't cutting through the exact same spot the whole time. Maybe that makes it last longer. Maybe it maybe. was a maybe it was a hardwood. Well, you would make a baseball bat out of hardwood for sure. Maybe it was maybe it was petrified wood. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the I old Louisville slugger petrified wood. <laughs> I don't know anything about baseball or trees. That is a fair assessment. You're not a baseball or tree scientist? Can I, we knock those off the list? I root for the Red Sox, but I don't know anything about them. I root, root, root for the home team. That's all I know. <laughs> I like going to games and eating peanuts and not watching the game. Uh, not unlike a lot of fans who just go there to drink beer during the day. I hate beer. <laughs> all right, let's finish but off I like this movie. peanuts. So uh, Kate is having real, real trouble with these controls. Like, she's just flipping every possible button and can't find the panel on the wall clearly labeled with electricity that controls the lights. I don't blame her. I'd probably be doing the same thing. But she also causes the big trouble because she flips one switch not knowing what it does, doesn't see an effect, and just leaves it on. And what she's done is she's turned on the fountain 
uh, the water feature in this plant store that Stripe is going to go to to respawn all of his gremlin buddies. While this is happening, Gizmo is running around. He left Gizmo with Kate to try to keep him safe. Right. And instead, Gizmo ran away from her while she was trying to figure out the controls. And he found his little toy car and is driving it towards... Adorable. Um, he, found, he found the fountain, first of all. Right. But uh, he also found that it was kind of a greenhouse-looking thing with windows everywhere. And he could see the light starting to come through it that the sun was coming up. And he's like, ooh, light. And he made a plan somehow. Uh, that somehow he was going to cause light to kill the bad guy, but not himself. The one thing I forgot, in all the things that Stripe uses to kill Billy, I forgot at one point he just has a gun. Yeah. He just finds a gun and starts shooting at Billy. Well, if it's a sporting goods store, they might have guns. Maybe. Um, So yeah, Gizmo's plan comes to fruition uh, because Stripe finds the fountain and taunting Billy with the gun or holding Billy back, he sticks his finger in the water and it starts to glow green just as Gizmo comes in with his race car, opens up the blinds, and streams sunlight directly on the fountain, causing um, Stripe to melt and fall back into the water. And classic horror movie note, we have to get the last chance for the villain to come alive <laughs> uh, because Billy slowly approaches the water and out pops Stripe's skeleton that crawls on the floor for a bit, and then, in a really cool practical effect, this solid skeleton just melts into goo on the floor. I don't know if it was, like, um, a long exposure over, like, maybe a sugar skull type of thing, that something that would be solid and then melt. I don't know how they did this, but it looked really cool. Well, you know, the, again, the special effects team on this were the same people that worked on Raiders of the Lost Ark, so... They're good at melting things. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I know that this film and Raiders of the Lost Ark were, I think, originally released as a G rating. And they are the reason we now have a PG-13 rating. These two films accounted for that rating getting started so that films like this weren't shown to children. <laughs> I don't know. I think I could have handled this as a child. Maybe not Raiders. <laughs> well, it, you're going to so have face melting either way. Yeah, yeah, but the other one was people's Human melting faces. instead of creepy And things. also not. Yeah, so the, the denouement of this film is the family at home having a nice Christmas. Uh, and in walks the, the old Chinese man uh, back to get Gizmo. The dad tells him, I didn't mean it, which is a bold-faced lie to tell to this old man. Uh, and the mom still doesn't understand the rules because she offers Gizmo chicken soup, a dish that is mostly water, uh, and would probably start this whole problem over again. I don't think it's any worse than beer. Only if it gets spilled on him, I guess. Also, apparently they're like walking through the snow for a lot of this and they're fine. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. That is just pure water. Hmm. Anyway, so the film ends the way it begins with um, Randall Pilsner giving a, uh, a narration telling our audience if <laughs> if you hear a bump in the night or something goes wrong, 
turn on all the lights because you just might have a gremlin. And film done. I mean, this this movie does kind of end with a Chinese man saying, you guys messed up. <laughs> we're taking your pet away because you weren't. You were a bad well, owner and you can't keep it. Technically, the Chinese man refused to give it to him it's in the true. first place. Right. And his son said, hey, we need the money. And so the son sold it to well, him. Well, it grandson, was $200. Whatever. Yeah, the grandson sold it to him without the without the guy knowing. So and he comes to like, reclaim it now and threw the money back like, at them. you messed up. You can't be trusted. Though, uh, the way I like the way the town interpreted what was going on, uh, just calling it a mass hallucination of people like raiding stores and going crazy. I like how they just sweep all the gremlin stuff under the rug, even though a lot of people saw them and are still alive. <laughs> anyway, uh, do you guys have any more notes um, on any of the other characters? I know we had brought up Judge Reinhold at one point and then get really into his very creepy character in this film. Yeah, I don't really remember what he did. Not very much. It was a really small part. I just remember he was yelling at Billy a lot, and he wanted Billy's girl. He wanted Kate, and kept trying to win her affection by telling her how much money he had or something. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I there's um <laughs> the line he does to try to pick up Kate is, "Hey, Kate, you haven't seen my new apartment." To which she responds, "Yeah, I haven't seen your old apartment either." And I love the the selling point he tries to give her is like, come on, we're talking cable here. <laughs> I, I mean, just, it was the 80s. <laughs> I was just trying to remember if he did or did not have a terrible sweater in this movie. And I don't think he did. And that No, kind he was of, wearing a suit. He was I like a, a, a bank executive. And that disappoints me because I like my Judge Reinholds to have terrible sweaters. Oh, Mark, how do you like to have your Judge Reinholds? Those might be the only two versions of him that I know of. Either in a suit I, or in a terrible sweater. Yeah, I think I prefer him in a suit for this and um, Beverly Hills Cop. I like him in the Santa Claus in a terrible sweater. That's fair. Mark, who's your favorite Judge Reinhold? Uh, none of the above. Aww. <laughs> Aww. To our audience, if you have a favorite Judge Reinhold that we haven't talked about, please post it. Probably on my favorite would be Beverly Hills Cop just because he's the weird comedy sidekick guy instead mm. of the annoyingly... <laughs> <laughs> when he's shooting over the wall. Yeah, he's just in the other. He's just annoying, annoying, boring guy. Alrighty. So if we have no more notes, let's go on to game. Our first game is the pitch game, a game in which we shove together two or more properties in the form It's This Meets This to describe this movie. Mark, you're going to be starting us off, so can you tell our audience what Gremlins is in terms of other things? And yes, we are still guessing. You're still guessing. Okay. So, this is a film where a man who possesses some unique artifacts goes in search of another... Uh, and takes it against the will of its owner. Later, the hero and his girl cause a fiery explosion in a snowy town. Many of the baddies are dispatched through the use of gruesome special effects designed by the same special effects artist. Cough, cough. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> meeting a movie 
where a human befriends a creature voiced by Howie Mandel and his mischievous friends who can't stand bright light and are killed by sunlight. Uh, I think I've got both of them. Sarah, do you want to guess? Well, the first one's Indiana Jones. Raiders of the Lost Ark, I think. I'm trying to think of any movie that had Howie Mandel, and the only thing I can think of is that monster one. Little monster. Thank you. (laughs) Well, you are both correct. And are we revealing to our audience, is that the voice of Gizmo? It is. The voice of Gizmo is Howie Mandel. (laughs) Fantastic. Uh, I wouldn't have imagined it, and I'm glad he isn't live action in this film like he is in Little Monsters, because yeah. that's terrifying <laughs> for other I, reasons. I've never seen that movie. It was. How big. do you even know what it was then? I, see, I thought for sure I would trip someone up with that one, but you both knew it. I don't know how I know it, but I've never seen it. It was before my time. It's a little early for me. Did that have I was Fred a big Savage Fred Savage fan. Yeah. Well, because of um, The Wonder Years and Princess Bride uh, and Little Monsters. There were three movies I could think of with him. Yeah. Well, one's a TV show. And anyway. Little Monsters, actually, uh, Fred Savage, in, his, in the movie, the character has a younger brother who is played by Ben, ben Savage. Savage. See, Fred Savage was a little ahead of my time. Ben Savage was my savage. Ah, <laughs> but what about Dan Savage, who hosts the Savage Love podcast? I've never heard nothing. of him. Anyway, <laughs> uh, my first one. <clears throat> a film featuring Dick Miller set in a small town where a young man gets a new small sentient friend who is peaceful and kind, but whose relatives are controlling and malicious. These small evil Beings form an army and take over the town, only stopped by the young man and his new friend. Meets a film set in the Universal Studios backlot courthouse square that features a petition to declare a building a historical landmark, a failed inventor, and the destruction of the town's movie theater. Well, Dan Miller. The second one is definitely Back to the Future. Yeah, I got that one. Who's Dan Miller? Dick Miller. Dick Miller. Who's Dick Miller? Uh, in this one, he was the neighbor with the Kentucky Harvester. Okay. I want to say small soldiers, but I don't think that's correct. That's correct. Yes. Is it? <laughs> I didn't yeah, know so that Dick that guy Miller, was in that. Dick Miller's the shopkeep in that movie. Oh. oh. I was going to say, I didn't yeah, know if that guy was in there, but I yeah. was like. He's the guy who sells, um, oh, the first small soldier guy, whatever his name is. Archer, I think. The yeah. kid uh, from Everwood. <laughs> Isn't it Kid from, is it Kirsten Dunst and Kid from Everwood? Yes. That, that's Dunst his official name, Kid from Everwood. Right. Kid from Everwood. He changed it after Everwood. <laughs> well, he actually changed it before Everwood. That's the weird thing. Um. Okay. Let's see what I wrote down. I'm so sorry. I don't remember. Oh, Um. because it involves people being attacked by a vaguely mythical creature from a a overseas area that is also very small meets basically a talking stuffed creature. Oh, I hope you didn't steal two of mine. And I, will I tell would you be very upset. It's not a Furby. I might know the first one, but I don't want to guess <laughs> what I have. So I'm going to let Mark guess, and you can give us hints. Uh... St- is the second one Star Trek <laughs> with a tribble? Uh, oh, no. I'll tell you the second one is another one where I basically put an inanimate object again. I'm so sorry. 
an inanimate object. You just said it was a talking fluff ball. No, I said basically a talking stuffed animal. And I said it wasn't a Tickle me Elmo. Think farther back. Think it was actually a toy from the time period. Teddy Ruxpin. It is Teddy Ruxpin. Oh, God. (laughs) It's so not even like him, though. I I didn't want to put Furby because I put Furby on my, um, in my, um, my, my 60 seconds synopsis. Oh, right. All right. So, uh, give us hints on the first one. So. Something from overseas in a small country. Something from overseas, small country, mythical creature, small, short. Um, um, Darby O'Gill and the little people. You're the right mythical creature, Ah. but also attacking people. Is it just the leprechaun? It is the leprechaun. (laughs) Hey, that was a good movie with what's his face in it. Um, uh, uh, It's um, Willow. It's Willow. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And it's just leprechaun. It's not the leprechaun. Yeah. The first one. But then they got the first one was okay. The rest of them got really weird. What? Like leprechaun in the hood. In the hood. (laughs) Yeah. I think there's one in space. Yeah. mm Mm-hmm. All the horror movies had to go to space for some reason. Uh, is it me again? It is you again, that's correct. Well, then... Uh, it's a movie where a teenager accidentally unleashes devastating events on his family, which spread throughout his small town. Uh, many scenes on the town square, and while trying to solve the problem, he ends up destroying a local theater. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, meets... A movie where an insidious green creature terrorizes a small town and almost causes Christmas to be canceled. Huh. The Grinch. Yay. <laughs> and Back to the Future. Yay. <laughs> All right. I figured well, those would be really easy ones. So Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna get my next one real quick, real easy. Is it a Furby? It... Uh so uh next we have <clears throat> A science fiction story with singing furry creatures who rapidly multiply, uh, (laughs) cause problems with electrical systems, and take over their environment meets a horror film featuring a small green creature (laughs) that runs around and kills people who is ultimately killed in a water feature only to have their skeleton emerge and be destroyed again. The the trouble with tribbles? That's correct. And is it Leprechaun again? It is Leprechaun. That's (laughs) correct. Okay. But I'm I'm sure glad that we all thought of the same things. Uh-huh. Oh, I'm gonna... I might have one more to surprise you guys. Anyway. Well, no one else got had a Teddy Ruxpin now, did they? <laughs> That's right. I owned a Teddy Ruxpin. So did I. Well, we had one of those, and we also had one that was a big bird, but it was Sometimes the same thing. Sometimes it questionably runs stories. <laughs> anyway, so it's an 80s movie. With a collection of gross creatures. Labyrinth. (laughs) (laughs) With teenagers and they have a collection of gross creatures that are basically just made for marketing purposes. Meets a young boy who befriends a, a creature of unknown origins. E.T. E.T. is the second one. The first one, I'm not sure you're ever going to get because it's... So wait, it's a boy who owns a collection of gross creatures for marketing purposes. No, a collection of gross creatures. Uh, Is it Pokemon? (laughs) The hint is gross. Gross A lot of Pokemon are gross. No, no. Mm. Disgusting creature. Oh, is it um, the Garbage Pail Kids? It is the Garbage Pail Kids. (laughs) 
You know, I never saw that show. <laughs> or wait, that was a there movie. was a show too, though, wasn't there? Maybe, but there was also a live action movie that is the most horrifying thing I've ever seen. I'll put it on the list. No, please don't. All right, Mark, go ahead. Uh, it's a movie where the hero's father is a, is an inventor. The movie takes place at Christmas. Hero and girlfriend fight off swarms of enemies and eventually kill their leader to save the day, which could be basically any action movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, meets a movie where many creatures are born from a single, quote, parent, emerge from cocoon-like eggs, terrorize occupants of a small town, and the only way to defeat them is to blow them up, and they mostly come out at night, mostly. All right, that's what I... <laughs> I, I was thrown off because I thought it was the first one, and then I didn't realize what the small town was. And then with the line. So the second one is Alien 2. Specifically, which, specifically. which is not the title. but Aliens. <laughs> I definitely I, I threw in the last line just because I had to. Until you yeah, said yeah. the last line, I was going to guess Tremors. Ooh, ah, that's pretty great. I We should watch that one sometime. Uh, was the first one just Die Hard? No, but that's close. That one should have actually would have been. He's a not good an Something about the father being an adventure oh, at right. Christmas. It's one of Carl's favorite Christmas movies. Is it? <laughs> or is that sarcastic? Yes. <laughs> Great. What does Carl hate? Oh, wait, wait. Is this, was this the Santa Claus? No. Okay. Because he was a toy maker. He was a toy, he was a marketing exec. Sure. He made prototypes. No, he marketed, he didn't make anything. So let's see, a hint. Um, it is not a Christmas movie. It takes place at Christmas. Okay. Uh, his father is an inventor. He is also an inventor of sorts. Stuart Little. <laughs> it is a sequel to two other movies. So this is the third in a series. Yes. Have me. I seen this movie? You have definitely seen this movie. <laughs> Aladdin 3. Does that take place at Christmas? No, it doesn't. Back to the Future Part 3. That is also not at Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> they travel through time. They travel through several Christmases. It's the Old I West in Back think, to the Future 3. I don't think Christmas exists at the time of Aladdin 3. <laughs> probably not. It's probably All right, Mark, decent. I'm going to have to throw the towel here. What is it? Iron Man 3. Oh, oh come on. No! <laughs> I mean, you're right. Oh, it does take there. place at Christmas. Yeah. Because of the giant, is it a bunny? Is that yeah. what it is? Oh, right. And I remember God, that, that Carl always done. loved it because it was at Christmas. <laughs> because the movie just... itself was released in like July or something, but it was Christmas time in the movie. And we just It's just, the there's Lego no reason game. for it to be Christmas. And yet Christmas is everywhere in that movie. Okay. Anyway. Oh, did, did you, who has, do you have more? I have one more, because I had three, and you have one more, and Sarah's out. Is it a Furby? A property featuring a hitherto unknown life form bought from an old Chinese Dang man, it. which has some very specific dietary needs. Due to this purchase, <sighs> several people end up dying in its new owner's life. And... A small puppet-like creature with large eyes covered in hair that slowly starts to look, to use English words over time. Some people find these terrifying, and it would be bad news if it got wet. Is it a Furby? 
It is a Furby. Well, the first one is Little Shop of Horrors. That's correct. Because. So it's Little Shop of Horrors meets Furbies. Does he buy it from a Chinese man? Yes. The old Chinese said sold it to me for $1.95. You know what sucks about you, Carl? (laughs) Does it not come from a meteor? It does. Okay. The soundtrack says, uh, "But he bought it from an old eclipse, Chinese man." Total eclipse right. from the sun, and it appears. And he was in the flower shop that day, and the old man sold it to him, even though the old man didn't own it. Got is it. The point. Well, to be fair, it's—I was going to say it's been a while, but I did see that last year, didn't I? I don't listen to that first song that much. That's a good show. It Anywho, is. I just don't listen to the prologue that much. Here comes my fourth one because. Because this is one of the ones that I just hurriedly wrote down in the last five minutes. Is it a Furby? A gift acquired from an old Chinese man wreaks havoc, causes many death, and with the help of other similar creatures, attempts to destroy humanity. Uh-huh. Uh, and a movie where John, <laughs> Judge Reinhold is being a jerk and then terrorized by small creatures at Christmas. Is it now, the Santa Claus? <laughs> I think that's the Santa Claus. And, and I believe Tons. the first one is Little Shop of Horrors. It is. So I'm going to call it... Little toy shop of Santa Claus. <laughs> and actually, I had the Santa Claus earlier, which is why I was confused about renumbering them. But um, Oh, I see. But yeah, Little Shop All of right. Horrors was one of the two that I added right at the end. Let's keep this moving on. On to our second game, mm-hmm. which is Alternate Tagline. A word, a phrase you would see in the movie poster for this film that describes the theme of the film, though possibly misses the point. So, Mark, go ahead. You're going to start us off yet again. Okay. So, my first one. Gremlins. Pet baptisms gone wrong. (laughs) I have a similar one. A point I've maybe (laughs) brought up already during this podcast. It's simply gremlins. How are you supposed to clean these darn things? (laughs) I gave a very good answer. I know. Sarah, do you have a tagline? Gremlins. Next Christmas, just get a gift card. <laughs> uh, oh, I guess I should do one of mine and not the real ones yet. Sure. All right. Uh, this is my last one, then. Gremlins. For one young child, it's beginning to smell a lot like Christmas. Wow, <laughs> dark. Uh, so mine is a very specific scene in this film. Uh, it's Gremlins, one badass mother of a holiday. Ah. <laughs> Slow clap. That, this you. is why he had to focus so much on the mother beating every, everyone up. It's just a great scene. That's why I focused on it. I suppose you could say that too if Terminator was at Christmas. It's true. Sarah, do you have another? No. Ooh. Okay. Somebody could. Do you want to pull up the real ones? No. <laughs> but I will. Cute, clever, mischievous, intelligent, dangerous. You want to do that again and say the title before you read it? <laughs> no. <laughs> but I'll. Sorry, I don't know. It's just the same, except that it says we're here. Yeah. (laughs) These are really bad. Yep, I told you. (laughs) Gremlins, Uh. they didn't obey the rules. That is true. All right, Mark, and you're out as well. I am, yes. I only had two. Do you want to do a real one? I only have one more. Oh, I could. Yeah. Uh, Which one is the worst? Hmm, (laughs) Is it just Steven Spielberg presents? Yeah, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, gremlins, what you see isn't always what you get. 
<laughs> I don't, I don't, that could be any movie. Yeah. All right. My final one here, I'm going to apologize beforehand because uh, I imagine it'll evoke some groans in my co-hosts here. <laughs> um, it is simply Gremlins. We wish you a scary Christmas and unhappy new fear. Get out. <laughs> you know, actually, the, I was trying to think of something similar to that using other Christmas carols and stuff, and I just didn't come up with any. So that one does not affect me that much. Hooray. All right, let's go on to our final game here, which is the TV Guide game. A description of the plot of the film you would find in the TV Guide or Netflix description, uh, which accurately describes the plot, but possibly misses the point. All right, so Mark, why don't you start us off while Sarah is sniffing her knee? <laughs> it smells like laundry detergent. I, well, the thing is, I didn't even have the, the chat thing up, so I had no idea what's happening until you said that. About this point in the chat, I've turned myself into a pretzel. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is the point of the podcast uh, <laughs> that Sarah has turned into mush. She's basically dissolved like the skeleton of Spike at the end of this film. Stripe is his name. But she's not going to metamorphize into a gremlin. She might reform into herself later. Mm, we'll see. Debatable. All right. Uh... <clears throat> This documentary chronicles the lives of the family and neighbors of a down-on-his-luck inventor before his rise to fame. Follow the events that le led to his most famous and terrifying creation, the Furby. Ha! Uh, I, I have told you guys this story before. Uh, though for our audience, they may not have heard it. I spent some time in Taiwan, and one of the places we went uh, was this technology place that was the manufacturer of Furbies. And more horrifying than the Furbies themselves is seeing what a Furby looks like without hair. <laughs> Just the electronics with the eyes and the beak and the ears, which are all real physical parts. But just the uh, the mechatronics where you would expect fur to be horrifying. Uh, well, and unfortunately, you two have been talking about Furbies throughout the entire podcast. I thought I had this great thing, and now you guys have been talking about it I the whole know, time. I'm so sorry. I, have I was going to leave guide. it until my pitch game, but Sarah's been going off on it the whole time. I had a Furby. I also have a dog right now. I'm I see aware. this. All right, my first one. A woman who hates the holidays because of an, of an unresolved childhood trauma gets the best present ever as her town slowly learns to hate Christmas as much as she does. Mine's a little similar. Although mine's a little more to the point. Just, a young girl gets more holiday trauma. Ha! <laughs> That's fair. Um... <clears throat> A mother teaches a group of youngsters the art of baking. One of them learns how a microwave works and has his mind blown. I don't like it. I mean, it's accurate. <laughs> they are youngsters. They're less than a day old. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. All right. My final one here to finish off our game segment is an irresponsible young man is given a new pet with very few clear and simple rules. And within a few days, he has broken them all, he's severely injured, and several people have died. It's unclear, but entirely possible, all this strife is karma for the young man neglecting his dog the entire film. Mushroom! Barney is his dog's name. <laughs> yeah. Mushroom! 
Mushroom, mushroom. Oh, what kind of that's person from the thing. All righty. Let's go on to our review scales, telling people should they go back and watch this film, but starting off, of course, with our infamous potato scale, uh, which tells the audience what emotions they can expect to feel while watching this film in terms of our relationships with potatoes. As always, I have not looked it up at all. Ooh. So, one of you can start. I wrote down all of mine already. Oh, boy. <laughs> my, my dog is stomping the ground right now. For the reasons we have discussed, right. there is an obvious potato to be used. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. I, I think there's uh, two colors. I'll give it. Yeah, I I wanted to... Well, I thought about both, but I didn't. So I actually really have enjoyed this movie my whole life. Uh, so I... Which will come up later when we give it numbers. But I, I don't know that I would put it, you know, like top tier best movie I've ever seen. But it's still up there on the list. So I gave it the Steak and Shake Fries because that's our second tier, whatever, second best movie. But also, obviously, Black Potatoes because there are definitely dark subjects going on <laughs> in this movie when we talk to Kate about her dad dying. So... See, I think that scene's just funny. So it's like Black Steak and Shake Fries. <laughs> I'm just going to give it Steak and Shake Fries. I like this movie. And, but we also have many times in this um, this podcast talked about how I was a troubling child. And, and a troubling adult. And a troubling adult. So <laughs> that sort of like dark comedy stuff didn't bother me as a child. It doesn't really bother me as an adult. Like, so like, I don't, I don't know. I don't find that troubling, but that's because I'm a weirdo. So I just think it's a second best. I'm just giving it great. Good job. Uh, I don't disagree with your rating, but I had uh, three other potatoes in mind. So um, many potatoes. So take, I I like. Are this you gonna film. stick don't them in a blender? Wrong. No, no, no. The potatoes um, in a blender. So I I've considered giving a steak and shake fries, but we've kind of limited ourselves to three potatoes. I think what this film is more than a steak and shake for me is it is it is a blue potato. It's a bit of an adult downer, um, given that it takes the opposite uh, view on Christmas than like any other film about Christmas. Um, it is a black potato for the very troubling issues. And because it was released... Um, before the PG-13 rating existed and was the major cause for the PG-13, I want to give it vodka that it is just for adults. Kids should not watch this film. So I'm going to go with vodka made of black and blue potatoes. I think all... <laughs> I think all we've learned is that Sarah is messed up. We didn't learn that. We knew oh, it already. We've known that. But yeah, yeah. I think was vodka one that we added on one of those episodes that Sarah wasn't around for. I don't know if she even knew that one existed. No, I think we. I was there. I just don't remember which one. Yeah, I forget which one I used that for. Oh, here we go. It's <laughs> oddly enough, it's Return to Oz. <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay, that movie did scare me as a child, which is uh, weird. Of all the ones, to be fair, she's in an insane asylum. But this movie didn't bother me. No, that's weird. There's lots of movies that should have bothered me as a child that didn't, and the movies that bothered me were Return to Oz and um, 
Hocus Pocus. Hocus what? Pocus scared me. And Gremlins, I'm like, whatever. Gremlins, I I loved that movie. But, like, there's a lot of stuff that's like, whatever. Like, my sister brought home a mouse skeleton once. Like... Is she a cat? No, she just... <laughs> Did she skeleton. offer it as a present on your pillow? Yeah, she brought me. She brought me a seahorse skeleton once. That was cool. Okay. Did she offer it as a present? <laughs> no, she just. So wait. Gave it to so me. she she brought you back skeletons of both aquatic and she, avian creatures. She didn't give. Me Are the, we sure she's not a cat? She has changed her name to cat. She didn't give me the mouse skeleton. The mouse skeleton was hers. The seahorse okay. skeleton was mine. Gotcha. But like, there was a lot of things that were like, really dark, like morbid stuff that I'm like, yeah, whatever. And then Hocus Pocus, which is actually a kid's movie, was the thing that scared me. <laughs> All right, let's go on to our second review scale, which is a rewatchability scale from zero to 10, telling our audience, should they go back and watch this movie? Yes. I mean, nobody's <laughs> jumping in, so to, to nail it down and give it a number, I I like this movie. I really, I've enjoyed this movie for a very long time, and re-watching it was a pleasure. Um, I can't give it a 10, however. Mm-hmm. I think the bar scene, in particular, stops it from being a perfect movie, um, and a lot of things really work in the film, so I think I'm at a solid 9. I think I'd give it a nine. Yeah, and that's exactly what I wrote down because I I felt the same thing. Like I really like it, but I just can't give it a perfect is, score. Is so. this a first? Uh, we've I think I we've I think all given the, the same before. Uh, let's see. I've got the scores here. I can find out. So Sarah and I have agreed when it's only us. That's because Mark ruins everything. Mark and I have agreed on it takes two. Um. Oh, and maybe that was uh, and Mac and me. Hmm, trying to see. <laughs> yeah, I. Oh, wait, what's this one? Pocahontas, we all agreed on. We agreed on Pocahontas? The, yeah, the... we all gave it an eight. Wow. Oh, and I think the first one we did, this is the one I remember. We all. Oh, wait. We all agreed on Hook. Oh, it was just me and Mark. Emperor's New Groove, we. Mark and I gave it a seven. Anyway, we all agreed on Hook. We gave that a seven? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Wow. Anywho, we could keep going through reviews, but I'm not going to. Um, so I only gave Road to El Dorado a seven. Yeah, we can review these. Uh, we to may be have fair, to. Um, as we keep going back, I gave Man of the House a five, and I'm still mad about that. I say this every time, and I want to remind you and our audience every time you say that. I told you that when we recorded it's that. It's true. It's so I, bad. You know, the thing about the numbers is we call it the rewatchability scale. And yeah. so I try to base that more on not the fact that it was a good movie or how much I like it, but how much that you could watch it again. again. Like, does that make sense? Sure. Watch so, this movie. So I, so Don't watch Man of the House. They've already seen it. Or well, or if you have not seen it, if it's worth watching it in the first place, which is I, why I, like some of these I, movies that are down at twos and threes are just terrible movies and there's no reason anyone should. At watch this it. point, decades later, with the aging process, is it worth it? Yes. As it's degraded with age. Gremlins, yes. Watch it. Man of the House, yeah. no. Do not watch <laughs> Man of the House. Yeah, that's that's Sarah's middle of the road movie. That's where she draws the line between a good film and a bad film. And Man Mira- of the House. 
house. Man of the house is tomahawk thrown right in the center there. Oh, and I thought I used to love JTT. Turns out I don't love JTT. Not everything he does, that's for sure. Anyway. Lion King uh, was good. Sarah, can you tell our audience where they can find us online should they choose to do so? (laughs) Maybe if I can hold it together. You can find us on Facebook at Retrograding Podcast. You can find each other at Retrograding Party Line on Facebook. Our website is retrograding.fireside.fm. And leave us a like, review, share there or on Apple on the podcast section. Our music is done by Dominique Barnes. Who continues to be great. Uh, So that's going to take us to our final segment of the show, which is, guys, I learned something today. Did you? Um, Well, it's not one I've prepared, as I have never prepared this. (laughs) uh, It's almost been a year now, but one I just thought of. Uh, So... It's something that our audience can mull over for a month and try to reflect on whether or not they're living by this rule in their own lives uh, before our next episode comes out. And it is simply, if you're given a list of rules by an old Chinese man, stick to them. And that is going to close out this episode of Retrograding. We will catch you guys next time. (laughs) 